Well, hey, Paige, how are you? Very well, Lynette. Great to see you today. Yeah, great seeing you. So Paige, welcome to This is 50, Freedom Through Passions. I'm just going to first off say out of the gate, you are not 50 years old. Usually I uh, have women on who are 50 who are exploring different opportunities in their midlife. Um, but I got introduced to you through a mutual friend of mine. Both of you are based in Vancouver. And she just said, listen, this is a great girl to talk to. She's in a field that is quite interesting for, uh, you know, for my platform, for my, for the conversation that, um, I usually like to have on, uh, this podcast, which is about women in their fifties or, or older who are making a change in their life. Um, but you bring a financial aspect to it or financial insights to it. So I'm going to give you, uh, in a second, I'm going to give you uh, an opportunity to introduce yourself. Um, first of all, you've just got this most beautiful view behind you, which is, uh, we talked about it. It's from, in fact, you're in Vancouver and it's the Fairmont Hotel. So, uh, it looks wonderful. You've got a beautiful office. So thanks again, Paige, for joining us and give a little bit of, um, a background on yourself. Well, thanks so much for having me, Lynette, and thanks for everybody who's tuning in today. So I'm living in downtown Vancouver, working downtown Vancouver. I'm part of a financial planning firm, and we've been working with women who have been going through divorce ever since I started. My associate actually has been in this field since 2004. He believes very heavily in collaborative divorce, and I'm taking over the practice over the next 10 years as his succession plan. So amazing. Okay. So you've been working with him. You, you mentioned, uh, to us, to me early on our pre-call for about 12 years. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. And what is your background? So my background actually features heavily with women's studies and pre-law. I thought I was going to become a family lawyer and a little bit of business background as well. I decided when I graduated from university to move out to Whistler for the Olympics and be part of that experience. And then after that, in August 2010, I moved down to Vancouver to start my very first um, career position because I, you know, I had my degree. I wasn't quite sure actually which grad school program to take. And I didn't know about law school. I was like, oh, publishing or law. I don't know. I love both. And I also had an opportunity with my, um, university actually to go back and do a, a grad program to do my master's and so I was kind of weighing all my options in the meantime moved down to Vancouver and started up being a cold caller for a financial planning group and that okay. was with, um, the company I'm with now and then I created out of that role a marketing and events coordination then I got headhunted by the the gentleman whom I work with today and over the past uh, handful of years I've become his partner and here I am. All right. So tell me, uh, tell, let's, let's get right into like the, the profile of the people that you help. So it's, it's a, it's a fabulous, um, I guess niche, if you will, because you, you kind of are a bit of a niche, right? Yeah, I would definitely say, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, pre predominantly we're working in the, um, more affluent communities. We call them financially comfortable Canadians. We have <laughs> our clients plan more to worry less. That's the backbone right. of what we do is planning. Okay. So when you, when you and I were chatting, you and I were talking a lot about how you see a lot of women in their fifties and older who come in and you're, what did I calling, I'm calling it decoupling quite amicably, but you, you used a different term in your introduction. 
Oh, collaborative divorce. Collaborative divorce. Referred to. Okay, so tell me a little bit about some of the women that you know you've you've seen going through divorces. Um, I know that, and the reason why I'm asking, and the reason why I guess for for me for the importance of you being on this podcast today, is because. I think that there's a lot of women who are in their 50s and older who have stayed in marriages and have stayed in certain circumstances because of the financial side of things. They, they're afraid to leave. They don't know how to leave. Um, perhaps they've been a stay at home mom for, you know, a hundred years, you know, 30 years, um, and have, you know, maybe received some sort of, you know, monthly allowance or, I mean, this literally does happen still. Um, and, and I think it's hard for women who have given their life to their kids and to be the wife and the, you know, the partner that supports that partner that's climbing the corporate ladder, let's say. And now all of a sudden the kids are no longer at home and maybe their, their, their partner is looking to do a little bit of retiring, but they're thinking, wow, I've left my dreams on the back burner for 30 years. And now I want to try to go out there and do something for myself. And either that doesn't fit into the husband's plan or it doesn't fit into her financial plan. Right. So um, what, w- what would you say would be kind of like your question that comes out of, of what you've just said there? I think for, for me, it's like, what do you see in these you know, mutually collaborative divorces where, you know, you've got some insight into some women where you're thinking to yourself, wow, I don't want to be like that when I'm older. Or, you know, what what types of situations do you see that could actually help um, women who are thinking of leaving but may not be able to, may, may think that they can't financially afford to do it? Okay, well, this is exciting, actually. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to give you a bit of background about me to, to preempt this. Uh, mm. I'm single and I'm single by choice. I've got, you know, a few romantic people who I've had around. But fundamentally, I saw my parents, uh, who have me a bit later in life, make a lot of money. And now they're, they're afraid to, they haven't divorced, although like we probably should have, because they've, they've made money. They've got some good opportunities financially. And they're miserable, and it's pretty clear. But they've created this environment where they can coexist codependently, I would say. And uh, it's devastating, actually, to see that. Because (laughs) what type of life are you living if you're not enjoying your life, right? You might have material trappings, but I'm going to say that I grew up very privileged and am able to say with perspective that like, the money, it, it doesn't solve everything. And although it does make your life more comfortable and money is wonderful, it's a wonderful tool to have. Um, I think the, the, the crux of our conversation comes down to quality of life. You only have one life and how do you want to live it? And today's the first day of the rest of your life and you can make choices because you still have the opportunity. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you talk about your parents and <laughs> I hope they don't get upset when they, when they listen to the podcast or if you're even going to tell them. But, you know, I think what you said about them where people are staying in marriages, um, even though they probably shouldn't have and they, they've kept themselves, they found a way to make their, their situation comfortable. Um, but yet they haven't followed their dreams. So, you know, with what would you say? 
what, what, what would you say to your mom right now? If, if you could like, mom, like just go and live your life. Like what would, what does that even sound like? So funny, funny enough, actually it would be my dad probably who I would talk to. Um, my mom has a very traditional view. She's a, a child of the fifties. Um, very independent, very feminist and having a career and living her dream prior to getting married. But she really did kind of fall into the category of finding a man who was her Prince Charming, who she then ended up kind of sidelining her own career ambitions in the early 90s to end up following my father on his journey of being a diplomat. And so we, we moved around all over the world and she uh, is a journalist, an author and a teacher. And so luckily being a multi-hyphenate, uh, before that was a thing, she had skills that she could still be earning an income. Um, but it wasn't really like her passion, right? So she ended up relying a bit too heavily on, um, I mean, I'm just going to pull the bandaid off because I'm an open yeah. book and I think it can help people on the call. I think that, if you, if you don't live your dreams and you end up sublimating your person for something or somebody else, you can end up really damaging yourself. And so my mother at this stage is an alcoholic, a functioning waspy alcoholic, but you know, every day at six o'clock, it's wine o'clock. And whether mm -hmm. it's big glass or a little glass, you know, she um, has found a way to cope with, you know, I think she thought that things were going to be different if she took this path. And um, she's reconciled herself with that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it all looks good on the surface. And my family's very good at presenting well. And I think I can say that for a lot of affluent families, we look very good on the surface. And you would never know that there were any gaps or chinks or in the armor, right? Um, and that's mm -hmm. kind of what you're designed to do. It's to perform and to present. Uh, I would wow. suggest to her, um, was it worth it? Is it worth it, right? The trade-off that you made here. Do you wish you could go back and do it differently? And oh, then, absolutely. Yeah. And so, you know, you 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 actually bring up you you've got really good insight because I think that even in, you know women who are I think a lot of people it doesn't matter if you're a woman or not but you know this podcast being focused on women over fifty I think about the guilt that we carry on some of the decisions that we've made in our past. And the guilt that we carry on making decisions moving forward. And I think you bring up some really good points about, you know, is this the life that you really want to lead? And, but yet it still comes down to how can I leave? How, like, what will it look like for me financially? And so that's kind of like, are there examples that you've seen where there are women who are saying that? And, and what does that story sound like? Yeah, I mean, it's a stark reality once the women that we talk to tend to be looking at their finances, your quality of life, your I'm not saying quality of life, your quality of life might improve because you might have less stress from a certain aspect of your life, right? Like if you're, if you're living in a loveless marriage or you're sublimating yourself for somebody else or you feel very lost and you, you have lost your language, so to speak, like who you were before you became a wife, before you became a mother, before you before you shelved the career, right? You you have to really um, re-identify yourself and create your financial identity, but also your personal identity. Like, who are you? <laughs> who have you become? Mm -hmm. And that's 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 stark for a lot mm -hmm. of people. It's hard to face the fifty year old plus person in the mirror and maybe admit 
but you didn't honor yourself always. Exactly. But that's okay. Like you've got to identify that, right? And then that's where you can kind of start the work. Right. And so if you're, you know, you're, you're, is that the type of advice that you guys are giving in your practice or what sort of? Well, I've got to qualify this to say I'm I'm actually not certified in the the certified divorce financial analyst per um, designation. Though my associate who I work with is, and I have worked on him with a number of files. Um, we, when we speak to our clients, and we really want to just, say. And sorry, and I just want to put a disclaimer in here. None of this is advice. And um, what I'm looking for you to do is to really bring out um, just examples, stories, so that yeah. people can find themselves in those stories. So who we usually uh, look to work with is are people who are looking at the process they might not be in the process but then we also have clients who are in the process and we have people who come to see us we're usually i would say the, the second stop maybe the first stop but we should technically be the first stop on your journey to discovering do you want to divorce because we're going to be looking and asking some questions like looking under that rock right picking it up and you want to be able to say well are you solvent financially what do you, what does your family's finances look like do you mm-hmm. actually know right are mm-hmm. there hidden assets are there hidden joint bank account or hidden bank accounts like is the joint bank account the only bank account you know mm-hmm. um we had a a person that we worked with at one point who classic uh wealthier woman husband's partner in a law firm she took time out to raise the kids host a beautiful home, keep the family together. He ends up, you know, looking at wanting to leave her and go with his mistress. And she ends up completely kind of holding the bag. And he's just telling her, yeah, you're done. And you've got this period of time to kind of make your life going forward. And um, by the way, you're not going to find all the assets because I'm a lawyer and I've moved everything offshore. Mm-hmm. And right? so, so that was one person's experience uh, who came to us and was like, well, what, what recourse do I have here? What, what can we do to, um, to get, get what I deserve? Right. Exactly. And the, um, the tragic thing for her actually is the fact because he, he had done all the pre-planning and he's a lawyer and he knows what he's doing. A lot of it was airtight. And there, you're going to have proof, right? There's got to be proof of intent. To so, hide assets um, or something, intent to hide assets. Is that what you're exactly, referring to? Exactly. Or yeah. like proof, like if she had recorded the conversation. And I'm not, you know, I'm going to say a lot of things probably on this podcast, which are a bit unorthodox. And yeah, no, it's fine. Yeah. Not, not necessarily what you, what you maybe want to do or even should do. But I think it's really important to protect yourself. Mm-hmm. So. If you're going to have these conversations, maybe you want to think ahead and maybe you do want to record the conversation because things might come out when they don't know that you're there in kind of, you know, that stealth mode. But they will never admit in front of counsel, do you know what I mean, or in front of a financial advisor relationship. Yeah, so when people actually, so you're bringing up some really interesting points and I love that, protect yourself. because. 
we don't, we don't put ourselves first. We, we never have. We, you know, this, this woman that you're talking about, you know, she raised these kids. She was the, the, you know, the beautiful wife behind the partner, the law firm, you know, always going to these events, organizing dinner parties, whatever the case may be. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of a classic situation. And then all of a sudden, you know, they're, they're getting traded in for a younger model, speaking of unorthodox type of conversation. But it's reality in a lot of women's cases. And so, you know, how do they get that? How The thing for me is like, how do you find the courage to take those bold steps when you haven't taken those bold steps in the past 30 years? So for you, when when you think about these women, what would you wish you could have said to them before they found themselves in that situation? Um, you know, what it, like a bit of a checklist or what are some of the things that they can start thinking about um, as they prepare for, you know, the departure of this marriage? Well, I'm going to say something that's pretty brutal, but act or be acted on, I think is mm-hmm. what you really have to start putting in your mind. If you're listening to this podcast and you are considering taking steps, have you considered whether your partner is taking steps? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you really have to reflect on on your why. Like, why are you making this change? And are there any possible opportunities for you to reconcile? Because, I mean, you are going to be looking at a big change, right? Like, I mean, it could be the best thing for you, but there could be other opportunities available as well. Like, maybe you could work out something a little bit different. Because why I say that is if you have a larger house or you have like a carriage house on the property type of thing, um, or you have a second property, perhaps you can work out something where like you don't live in the same place. And that's not ideal for everybody. But the fact is you're going to substantially reduce your standard of living in both retirement and post-divorce by leaving your partner later in life. Um, he will also suffer, but not as much likely as you will. Why do you um, think that? Focus, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, why, why do you think that, sh- that she's going to uh, re- um, suffer more than he will? Um, why do I think she might move out and he won't? No, why, you, you, you said that she, she will likely suffer more than he will. Oh, right. Because um, he was working probably more than likely. And also, if you've had children, you likely took time out of the workforce. That means you have less invested into CPP, Canada Pension Plan. You might have less invested in your company pension plan if you have a company pension plan. Um, we, I don't know how much people have been saving, but you know, I'm not going to really flout statistics here, mm-hmm. but it, it's if you do the research, women have a reduced quality of life after divorce financially, and they also earn less over mm-hmm. their working lifetime than their partner. So if you put both of those kind of, you know, stark details together, you're already looking at a picture where it's um, a bit of a wake up call. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you're putting your list of what you need to look at together, I think fundamentally you want to look at well, what are you going to get when you leave? Right. Mm-hmm. Um Depending on what province you live in, every everything, and if they're U.S. Uh, citizens, there's a lot of cross-border potential concerns to look at. So, so that would be like the first place to look at would be like, what would you get 
out of leaving financially. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, and that's good. And so let's, let's kind of, I, I know most of your clients are, you know, well, all of your clients are in the sort of the one or 2% kind of the wealthy, right? And, and let's face it, not everybody, you know, has two houses and, and all of that. And I think it's some of those women, it's tough to leave because, you know, it's kind of like, what is their what's next? So they know that they're probably going to be, you know, not as financially, you know, in that situation when they were together, but at least they're going to be okay because there is going to be some sort of spousal support and, you know, some type of wealth transfer. But what about those women that, you know, don't have, that are, that are finding themselves in that marriage that, you know, they've both had to work and, but yet, you know, because she was the, you know, primary caregiver, you know, he was working more, um, but she still doesn't know, can she leave? And I think you were bringing up some really good points there. Like, what do I look at when I think like, how do I make a little plan of, can I actually afford to, to end this marriage now? Or do I, do I have to stay in it? Well, number one, we don't want anyone to ever stay somewhere where they're not safe. So that's mm-hmm. the very first thing to look at is you, if you're unsafe and you, you, your quality of life again is diminished severely, then your, the impact on your mental health and especially if you have a family or children, what type of, you know, you kind of have to, to step back and say, well, what type of, um, an example and role model am I, am I showcasing here? Right. Am I being who I want to be in the situation? Mm-hmm. Um, you don't want to stay somewhere just based on money. So, right. but here's the thing. If you are thinking about doing this, look up a certified divorce financial analyst. We have a lot of women who come in and men who come in and they want evaluation because the whole thing here is do not make a decision based off a wish and a prayer, mm-hmm. you know, and without knowing your numbers, like you've got to know the numbers because that's the very first place to, to feel confident. Or at least if you're like, whoa, that's severe, you know, that outcome is not looking too rosy. Um, but other aspects might shore that up, right? So the financial side, you might have to say, okay, whoa, that's, that's looking pretty brutal. But like, what can I do? Like, what can I get a, a job? Right, or a second job? Am, am I going to have to? Like the reality is, you might have to go backwards to go forwards. I love everything you just said there because you know the first thing I think about when, well, like I mean, I've been divorced for you know nineteen years, but my biggest fear was, yeah, like I I I, I looked at it more from leaving him versus financially and. So I think that's really interesting what you said there where you, you know, you, when you're thinking about divorce, don't go to the divorce lawyer at, at the beginning, go to more of an analyst to understand the current state of your financial affairs. Yeah. And I have to clarify here, not just an analyst, but like a certified divorce financial analyst. Certified divorce financial analyst. Or a okay. certified divorce financial specialist. But okay. they'll, def- they'll definitely do an intake with you, um, maybe like a half hour discovery call type of thing. And they're going to be by the hour. So you'll pay an hourly fee to work with a person like that. And that would be my very first stop in this journey because they're going to be able to say, okay, if there's a pension, how much of that pension are you entitled to? Right. How of his benefits, what benefits will go to you? If they're alimony or spousal support payments, what are those going to look like? And when are they going to stop? Right. Cause you're going to want to benchmark kind of the next five, 
10, 15, 20 years of your life because um, the benefits that come out of having been married are usually going to stretch over that period of time. So where do you find, you just Google search certified financial divorce? Yes, in your city. And there will likely be at least one, if not many. And then my big uh, tip for people I work with, with any professional, whether it's a lawyer, a, a financial specialist, financial planner, talk to at least three people. Because if you were diagnosed with a medical condition, yeah. I would hope that you would go and get that double checked by at least two or three other medical specialists before really taking uh, action that could be you know, surgical, et cetera, right? That could really impact your quality of life. Yeah, no, that's amazing. Okay, so share with me some more stories. The just like the insights of women when they're they're leaving or they're they're getting this divorce, and because there one story that sort of stands out in your mind that you think to yourself, "Wow, this could have been totally avoided," or you know, she actually turned out to be in the better because of the divorce. Well, I think a, a nice example here is for an older woman who was a kindergarten teacher and was married to um, an academic who worked at a very established and prestigious post-secondary institution. He was incredibly abusive and uh, very in, a, in an emotional type of way, not a physical way, to the best of my knowledge, but just very bullying and domineering. And she was a very soft, very sweet person. Now, they didn't get divorced until a bit later on, and that's a big thing that we're seeing today is actually the advent of the gray divorce. Those who are over 50 or pulling the plug. because and, and Really? Actually, <laughs> up to 90, we actually had a gentleman who... who uh, served his wife with papers at age 90. So, wow. I mean, yeah, you have to imagine what, what they were going through, right? But the whole thing comes down to um, with the woman who was a very soft, very caring, very sweet individual, she kind of got to the point later in life where she was just tired of it. Right. You, everyone has kind of that saturation point. Right. There's going to be a straw that breaks the camel's back. And this kind of brings me back around to if you're already considering what we're talking about here on the call today, listen to yourself. Right. Like take some time, get a journal, go for a walk. Be by yourself. I wouldn't really recommend going and talking to friends or people in your immediate circle because they're not going to have that unbiased opinion right and you're going to hear things that that really are opinion based and not so much a fact so maybe and one of those fears right you're going to hear when you're when you're sharing it and that's such a great uh point you bring up because i think you're right like the first thing we start to do is we talk to our best girlfriends but to be completely honest, even as, as they try to stay as unbiased as they want or, or as they can, and then also, you know, they want you to have, you know, the best interest. At the end of the day, they're also, there's a, they're finding themselves in your story as well. And so they either want to protect this, you know, where they've, you know, maybe you, as a, as couples, you guys have been great friends. And so the minute you start to think, well, oh, you're going to leave, but, what happens to our friendship now? Because we became friends because our husbands are friends and, or our partners are friends and we're now, and we, we don't go on those golf trips anymore. So that's really excellent point about 
journaling and really analyzing more from your own perspective and trying to stay as neutral as possible with the advice that you're seeking. That's great. Great advice. Absolutely. And the thing is, it's impossible almost, right? Like when we're coming to the table to where we are today, we are more than likely a part of my friendship, but pissed. <laughs> we are not happy. We are, mm-hmm. we are angry or we're confused. We're upset. We're stressed. And whoever made a great decision under duress, right? Like I can definitely tell you about some bangs that ended up looking like a cute, a koosh ball from the nineties, right? <laughs> like do not cut your hair at this point in time. Right. Exactly. Um, exactly. But fundamentally bringing it back to uh, my story about my kindergarten friend, she actually ended up they both had to downsize the, you know, they had to go through a lot of the logistics to divide the assets fairly. And there was a lot of heightened emotion, even if you're going through a collaborative process, which means that you're not going to court, there's no litigation, your emotions are still heightened. And there's still a lot of volatility going on. So I think mm-hmm. when we're talking about um, the journaling and the taking time for the self, understanding that that might be close to impossible, even though you want to, to be your own best ally, and we definitely want to advocate for that. You also maybe want to consider the fact that you might need to spend some money to make the best money possible. So going to a therapist who specializes in helping women going through divorce, right? Talking mm-hmm. to that financial analyst or an, the, the certified professional, right, who works with finances and women going through divorce. Because those are going to give you Uh, more than likely it's an hourly rate. So you're not going to have them on retainer the way that you would for a lawyer where every time that you call your lawyer, they're not your friend, even though they might be very good at, at at helping you and being empathetic. They're charging you for that. So you want to get all your ducks in the row before you go and you, um, hire counsel because you want to get the most out of your money. And that's going to be a really, the probably the most important thing I have to say on this call right now is that you're not, you're really going to have to get fierce about your money like this is what you work so hard for you might get tired I'm gonna tell you I see a lot of cases that drag on and on and like the men a lot of times are indefatigable like they are also not gonna let go easily and a lot of women I've seen have just been tired they're so tired they didn't even want to do this in the first place they just want it to be over they're like I'll just take what I get and I'll try not to get upset and it's like, I, I just want to, like, I just want to hug all of you and say, like, no, like, this is what you're doing for your future you. So you don't have to eat cat food and you don't have to go live in your kids basement suite apartments, right? And be their nanny. Exactly. Like, you know, Paige, you have, you really are surfacing a lot there because you know what? You're in your fifties. You're in your sixties. What did you call it? The gray divorce, the great age of gray divorce, where now you're in your seventies and eighties and possibly nineties, decoupling yourself from the person. But you're right. It's like, oh, I just, I want to avoid, you know, I want to avoid the confrontation. I want it. I'm tired. I don't know if I've got it in me. I'm, I'm now, I'm also not only am I losing my marriage, you know, I, my life is just naturally changing because I am in my midlife now. I don't maybe, even if I didn't have kids, whatever I was doing before is changing. And it's like, I know I've said it myself. 
do I have it in me? Oh, I just like, it's been, I mean, I raised my kids full time, a hundred percent, you know, 98% financially. And I, I feel like when I turned 50, I, I, you know, I started down this path of making change. I thought, oh my God, do I have it in me? I just want to coast for like the next 10, 20 years. I don't have any more energy to fight. But all of a sudden it's like, oh, now I'm starting to do things for myself. And that fight is not even a fight. It's just something that's a passion that I, I want to do. And, and, and I may be digressing a little bit here, but I do know what ends up happening is you want to avoid confrontation as much as possible, right? So that's why most women will say, okay, I'll just take, yeah, that sounds reasonable, but I really like the fact that, you know, stick up for yourself and go in it prepared. So, you know, you talk about reaching out, doing that Google search for the financial, certified financial divorce specialist. And then, you know, yeah, getting a therapist, somebody who actually is specializes in what a marriage breakdown, the, the emotional journey of a marriage breakdown. What else would you say? Well, I mean, I would also say that you, you really need to dig deep and it's going to be going into the Amazon of your soul, really, because you probably are going to be facing a lot of questions that you've been avoiding for a long time. You know, there might be a lot of um, skeletons in the closet. I know I'm, I'm using a lot of metaphors here, but yeah. I'm hoping to create a bit of a visual. Um, but the whole thing I think I really want you to hold on to is like the, that you're finally able to do something for yourself. Like you only have one life. What life do you want to live? Right. When you look back on your legacy and you look back at everything that you've been here to do and the people that you brought into your life, you know, what do you want to have stood for? Absolutely. And I can probably tell you that if you asked, you know, women over 50, 98 percent of them would have said, I put a dream on on hold. I put dreams on the back burner. I honestly don't even know where to begin to dream again. I have a program called Encore Life Academy. And the first thing that we do is we talk about what does it look like? What is your story? Not your vision board or your, you know, it's, it's what is your story three years from now? I get them to pretend that they're being, uh, asked to be part of a magazine or to come onto a podcast and three years from now, and what is it? What are the headlines of the story? What are their, what does their social media look like? What, like, what are their friends saying about them? How are they feeling about themselves? And what are certain things that they want to happen in that, those three years? Sure. We all want to live in the big house and, you know, that's different. The vision board is much different than really creating the story of your life three years from now. And I think that is a really good place to start. And then from there, you have to start making your change. And, you know, there's this saying where the, t the most difficult part about making a change is actually making the decision to make the change. And we get stuck because we're scared. We, you know, even though women in their fifties and, and over really don't give a flying fuck anymore about what people think or say, they actually do, you know, it's, you know, we, we, we should have much more confidence. We should have much more, 
um, ability to say, I'm going to do whatever I want now because I literally have given my life to somebody or something else for the past 20 or 30 years. And so that, you know, that confidence comes from what you're, you're describing, getting prepared, taking the emotion out of it as much as possible so that they can go forward and make, you know, logical decisions that aren't based on emotions and, you know, erratic, you know, behaviors. And you know what? I want to highlight something here. Um, and I, 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 I appreciate what we're saying about what we should or, you know, whatnot. Um, the thing is, we, we got to meet ourselves where we are. And we didn't just get here on our own like on our own, do you know what I mean? Like we've been socialized and I'm a different generation, but I've seen it, right? And I'm, I'm so intrigued by women's history, right? We've only just begun to step into a type of power or autonomy. And we're frankly not even really there yet. It's no. really window dressing. But for the women on the call, for people who are over 50 or, or 60 or 70, have that forgiveness, right? And recognize that like, Every day, it's going to be a bit of a battle. You know, you're going to have to have that inner pep talk. You're going to have to say, like, I've got my back because I'm the only person who can have my back on this. And no one else has lived your unique life. Only you can do what you need to do for you. So I just yeah. want to say, um, take care of yourself, you know, and, and just don't get too caught up in that chatter, the inner the inner pep talk, great. That inner negative Nancy who's kind of telling you what you should have done or why didn't you? No, they need to take a back seat or get the heck out of the car even. Do you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like you're in the driver's seat now and you're making the decisions, right? So yeah, I just and to say, though, it's not going to be easy. But the fact is, is that you're doing it for you and that's all you have to remember for you and your family. I totally agree with that. And you know, that that's one thing that I've been doing a lot of, I've been walking a lot and I have been thinking about, you know, what is that younger or who is that younger Lynette that I want to bring forward with me now and give myself that forgiveness for some of the things that I may be carrying guilt about. Um, yeah. So it, it's, it's really interesting. And, and, you know, Paige, I want to talk to you a little bit. What got you so interested in in the women's studies and you're clearly passionate about what you're doing today and you've got this you know 10-year goal of taking over the the business why yeah that's a great question so um i'm gonna be full disclosure total girly girl grew up playing barbies and dolls just loved everything pink and pretty and unicorns <laughs> and uh, you know the scales never really did fall from my eyes i really truly believe that if you, you look good you'll feel good you feel good you'll do good and if you do good you'll be good right like it all kind of stems from that whole, how do we see ourselves? And being women, I've never wanted to be a little boy, by the way. I've never wanted to be a man, even though I work in a male-dominated industry that was never really my orientation. It's been that, like, being a woman and being a girl is so great. Like, we get to have all these different outfits. We get to wear makeup. Or we get to either be a boss or we get to be the femme fatale. Like, we have so many roles that we can play. And I think that could be really overwhelming. But I think mm -hmm. so coming into where I wanted to be initially at university was women's studies major. My mother, who's a like 1952 baby and a career woman, not into that. She was like, well, what kind of career are you going to get from being a women's studies major? Like, at least <laughs> do like English lit or business, like do something where you're going to be employable. So I really find it um, such a blessing that I fell into the 
profession I'm in now, because unfortunately, money talks and it's very loud. <laughs> and a lot of how we base our decisions in life comes down to the money. And there's a saying that he who holds the gold holds the power. So for me in the role that I'm in now, I think nothing is more beautiful than women supporting other women to become economically empowered and to be living our best lives. Because we've been told how to live our lives by the patriarchy. And I'm not going to get up on my soapbox here because <laughs> that word is quite incendiary and kind of, you know, it's a label and I'm not really into labels. But for brevity's sake, the fact is, like, are we even living the lives that we chose? Right. Like, mm -hmm. I want to ask everybody on the call, go back and think about who you were at like five and eight and 13 and 15 and 20, 25. Right. And really benchmark it out. And so okay, well, where did I get lost along the way here? Like personally, for me, I had a boyfriend when I was 18. He was the love of my life. We were everything for each other. It brought me out to the West Coast. And I stayed in that relationship for way too long, like a decade. And mm -hmm. um, I really lost myself in the process because, like, he wanted me to look a certain way and act a certain way and be a certain way. And I also had the parental units who were like, well, that career isn't good enough. And do what I mean. So I had all these inputs into my development where I'm like, at this point in my life, I'm like, throw those shackles off. Like, who are you people anyway? Like, you're right. one person out of billions of people. Why have I given you so much credence? Who am I? Right. And what can yeah. I do? I love that. And, you know, your, your comment of like, where did I lose myself along the way? And that there, there's been a lot of, I've been, I've, I've been in Mexico City for the past couple of months and I've been spending quite a bit of time, um, alone while I'm here, which has been wonderful because I have a huge project I'm just finishing up and launching in the next couple of months. But there's been a lot of reflection and I think to myself, yeah, like, where did I lose that desire? There are certain things I think about myself when I was 15, 16, and I thought, oh, I used to always do this one thing. And, and honestly, it was, I was always playing music. I was always the person putting the vinyl on, that's dating myself there, but, but putting the, the, the vinyl on at parties, making sure that the music sounded great. And then later, uh, you know, maybe 10 years later when iTunes first came out and that first iPod, I was, you know, making, buying 99 cent music, uh, loading people's iPods, my friend, making playlists and then loading my friend's iPods with them. And every, you know, every six weeks I would do <laughs> new playlists for them. And I thought, you know, I loved that part of my life. I, and I still make tons of playlists and on Spotify and I, I find myself in music, but I never went down that path. And I think, Oh my God, at 50 something, am I too old to even go and look at that side of music where, you know, maybe it's DJing, maybe it's producing. But those that it's like, where did I lose myself along the way? And I think sometimes I, I you know, I think I feel like I didn't reach out to get the mentorship that I needed. Um, I didn't have like the right people to talk to. I didn't have Google search. So for people who are growing up, you know, my kids even, you know, if you can't find something to do and, and do it and be able to stand it up in this day and age, I, I, 
I, yeah, I've lost all hope in my, my parenting skills because I think, you know, being able to stand up anything that you want to do now. And I feel I, I like. I want to highlight something here though, because I think for women going through this transition, if I can pretend to understand, it would be the overwhelm. And the fact there are so many choices that you're going to have to make, but also so many choices out there. And you look on social media and you go on the internet and you're like, well, if everyone else is doing it, why can't I do it? Like, what's wrong with me? And we kind of go down that shame spiral a little bit. Um, and I would like to just like circle back and say, you know what? <laughs> 50 is halfway through life because demographically speaking, we are now looking at the largest growing segment of the Canadian population, because I live in Canada, being the centenarian, those over the age of 100. And, you know, I had a chat with a client recently, and we were doing their updated plan. And we like to say as a benchmark for your longevity, because you want to plan to not outlive your money. Okay, well, as a general rule, we like to say you'll likely be about five years older than your longest lived grandparent. Okay. What would that look like for you? And she was like, well, She's 105. Oh, my God. I know. And she was like, I'm not going to retire anytime soon, am I? (laughs) (laughs) And she's actually someone that we helped go through divorce. Um, And it was a relatively, like, other than the emotional side of things, like, like financially, she will have to work a bit longer. But, you know, she's so much happier now. And she'd go home and she's got her cat. She's got her, you know, nice glass of wine and her nice downtown you know, um, apartment and not saying that that's everything for everybody, but I think having Mm -hmm. that room of your own and that space, like you're talking about with that place for reflection, um, you got to remember that it's going to be a process. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And a process that, um, you know, it, it brings back all, all, everything we talked about, you know, the forgiveness, the, you know, the, be, you know, dreaming again, getting properly prepared for the change and, and understanding that it is going to be a little bit difficult, that there is going to be overwhelm. There's going to be possibly skills that you're going to have to learn. And how do I even get started on creating, you know, another source of income when, you know, if reality comes into play, how do I figure out what is, what am I passionate about? What am I going to be happy about? What am I going to be able to, you know, talk about that? I'm like super excited about and, you know, like you, like you're talking in a way that you're clearly passionate about the things that you love to do and, and good for you. So keep going down that path. (laughs) And, uh, yeah. So, so Paige, is there, if you had to, I, we're going to sum up the, the, the call now. What would be the, you know, maybe the top few things that you would say to somebody listening to this podcast based on our conversation today? Well, number one, you're the author of your story. And I love this idea of the Encore Life Academy. I think that, you, you know, if you don't have a plan, it's just a dream and a wish, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, there's definitely proof in the pudding about manifestation. And if you write something down, and I have a good friend, business owner friend, who recently sold her company, and she looked back on this business plan that she put together back in 2007, and the number that she'd said that she wanted to sell her business for at that point, because she's a planner, and she sold it for over what she had initially thought she could sell it for. And so I just want to put plant the seed, you know, get that journal, start writing, because you might think that you know things, because I, I journal, just full disclosure, and I think, I think I'm pretty, you know, self-aware, and I don't like this word, but woke about 
my instincts and my inclinations. And then when I start to write, it's like a whole other girl's coming out. Yeah. And I have a friend and she does left-handed writing because <laughs> that does something else with your brain. I'm not going to say get that like deep down that, but I yeah. think the whole point here is like to write out what your plan would look like. I want to say number one, I'm going to say is, you know, think about your story, create your story because you are the author. Right. Mm -hmm. So that ties into having a plan. And I would not recommend that anybody goes into this phase of life without a plan, without a written plan. And the thing is, it will be probably the most difficult thing you've ever done is mm -hmm. what you're about to do right now. And I don't want to minimize it or, or sugarcoat it, but it will ultimately end up being probably the best thing you've ever done for yourself. So you owe it to yourself to do the work now, get everything in place, and recognize that you're going to have the days where you're going to feel like a bag of, you know, and, <laughs> and that you're yeah. going to have a lot of emotions. So maybe having that, that journal and being able to, like, delineate, okay, what are my, like, good, better, best outcomes for this, mm -hmm. right? And what, what what do you absolutely have to have in your future life? And what can you get rid of? What can you cut out? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know what I do it every day. Be writing every day. You don't have to write a, you know, a manuscript. But if you are serious about making this life change, it's a serious change and it's going to involve things that are quite dry. Like you're going to want to be looking at the will, the retirement plan, the beneficiary designations on your policies for both yourself and for your spouse. Because I can't tell you how many times we've had people going to court over the fact that the beneficiary on their work life insurance, it wasn't the right person. And there might right. be a second partner involved, right? Absolutely. And that kind of leads me to the idea here that like your life isn't over because you've gotten divorced you're making a choice you're having that autonomy and you're going to create a whole new life and it might involve a new partner and how exciting is love is yeah right? exactly totally for sure yeah no and that's those that's great those are great words of wisdom coming from somebody that uh, hasn't quite hit the age of 50 yet but yeah you're very insightful Paige and I think that you uh, are super smart and uh yeah, you brought a lot to the, the show today. So thank you so much for sharing. Thank um, you. Yeah. And I, and I, I do want to highlight something here. We okay. have done over 150 divorce files in our practice. And you will find what you're looking for. And you will be happy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, and that as simple as that message may sound, it's 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 hard. Like you said, it's, um, yeah, it's nothing, nothing good. It, yeah, it, it, it will be definitely uh, a, a, a hard journey because even to just try to dream again at, you know, in your fifties is very hard. I, and that's the feedback I get, like to write a, a story, your life story. Um, you think it would be actually kind of easy in your fifties, but it's hard because you haven't dreamt, uh, like that before. And now it's really the, the spotlight is actually on you now to, to create. And so creating a story that is focused on you can often be considered selfish. And that's why maybe it's a bit of a struggle to, to try to do it. But if you start, I guess, with the, 
the pragmatic steps of, you know, understanding your financial situation, you know, getting, you know, talking it through, journaling it, and then it all comes together in a story that you don't actually even know is in you yet. So my three kind of final thoughts to share, and if you have a pen and paper handy, where yeah. you can get something to write with, this is where I would say go get that right now. Give a little moment here. Um, <laughs> so honestly, number one, know your numbers, because you're, you're getting into the business of the rest of your life. It's a business decision that you're making here. You're going to have to be able to compartmentalize. I know that's going to sound like maybe it's impossible, but you're going to have the numbers, you're going to have the business, so you're going to have the emotions, decisions that you're going to have to make. And these are decisions you're going to have to make on your own, but in the best interest of both yourself and your family members. So it is very serious. It's business and it's numbers. So number one, know your numbers. Number two, don't go it alone. Get professional advice. It doesn't have to break the bank, but you're going to get a better outcome if you can rely on a team of people who are able to give you an impartial decision. I want to liken this to when you're scuba diving and your mask gets kicked off. You can probably imagine this, right? You're deep down below. You're just paddling around with the fishes and someone goes by and they kick your mask off and your first inclination is going to be rocket to the surface, right? You need to get your air. But what you need is someone there with you who saw it happen, who can grab your car, give you a little squeeze and remind you, you got to put your mask on because if you rocket to the surface, you're going to get air bubbles in your blood. It's going to cause the bends and can give you a heart attack. So you've really got to keep your wits about you. And that's what your plan and knowing your story is going to be able to do for you. So right. know your numbers and work with a professional. And remember, just to take it easy on yourself and do it a day at a time. Because, again, you're embarking on kind of decoupling, as you call it. And you're deconstructing the last like 10, 20, 30 years of your life. That's not going to happen overnight. They say yeah. it takes half of the amount of time that you were in the relationship to get over the relationship. And it's just a process, right? So you really have to hunker down and remember, like, what are you doing this for? Yeah, what is absolutely. Exactly. It always comes down to your why. Perfect. Well, Paige, thank you so much. I really appreciate you joining today. And uh, yeah, you shared some really great insights. Thank you. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. 